let us pray. <clears throat> Our Father who art in heaven, deliver us from evil. This wretched life is so full of misery and calamity, of danger and uncertainty, so full of malice and unfaithfulness that we might rightfully grow weary of life and long for death. But you, dear Father, know our frailty, therefore help us to pass in safety through so much wickedness and villainy. And when our last hour comes, in your mercy grant us a blessed departure from this veil of sorrows so that in the face of death we do not become fearful or despondent, but in firm faith commit our souls into your hands. Amen. Our text this morning is Matthew chapter 8. Now when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother lying sick with a fever. So he touched her hand, and the fever left her. And she arose and served them. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word, and healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. These are your words, Heavenly Father, sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. Amen. And dear fellow redeemed in Christ, St. Matthew's Gospel cites or alludes to the Old Testament scriptures over a hundred times in its 28 chapters. Matthew points us to the fact that what had been promised by God through Moses and the prophets is fulfilled in one unique person. That person is Jesus the Christ. In fact, on the very night when Jesus was betrayed and arrested, as he was facing the final hours before his death by crucifixion, he told his disciples, all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Our text in Matthew 8 predates that crucifixion by a few years, but already in these early chapters, Matthew's been building the foundation for our knowledge of who this Jesus is. He is the one foretold by that great prophet Isaiah. Isaiah wrote about the one on whom the Lord would lay all our iniquities. This one is the Messiah, the Savior. The fact that this world has sick people is not one that needs to be debated. The evidence is clear. All of us have been a sick person at some time. Some of us may be sick people right now. And all of us will one day get a sickness unto death. Sickness is the result of the fall into sin. Not that we can say of, that every sickness is a direct consequence of some particular act of sin that we have done. No, sickness comes into a creation that groans with the burden of our universal separation from God. And this means bodies don't work. One of the promised signs for identifying the Messiah was healing the sick. When John the baptizer was in prison and needing the comfort of knowing for sure who Jesus was, Jesus told John's disciples, go and tell John this, the blind receive their sight, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. So now in Matthew 8, we find Jesus at the home of his disciple, Peter. And Peter's mother-in-law is sick, we are told. 
Jesus touches her hand and her fever is gone. Well, how? Jesus took it away. He is God. He does that. That same evening, people bring to Jesus those who are possessed by demons. And Jesus casts out those demonic spirits with just his word. The word that sent Satan away in the wilderness sends away those demons. They cannot stand his word of truth and power. Those who are sick are also healed right there, right then. All this had been foreseen seven centuries earlier. Uh, Again, that's why Matthew quotes Isaiah saying, he himself, this promised one, took our infirmities and bore our illnesses. Each of these gracious healings was what we might call an interim healing. They revealed that Jesus was more powerful than any disease, but as we heard on Monday, these healings would not last in this world. The effects of a sinful world and sinful people would eventually bring back sickness and death to all of these people. Therefore, these miraculous works of God, Jesus Christ, as awesome as they truly were, were only the preview of the much greater work he would, he would soon accomplish, a work that would end sickness forever and defeat death itself. Jesus would do this by going to that shameful cross, bearing our sin, and bringing about our eternal healing through his own willing sacrifice. The victory Jesus won for us at the cross is not obvious to us, though, in the here and now. The last months have brought many people to realize more deeply the fact that severe illness and possible death are closer than ever desired. Illness and death are not conveniently hidden away from sight where we think they belong. They are front and center. This is a time for the Christian church to shine to proclaim boldly and without compromise the truth of Jesus Christ, to call for faith in the one who himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. But you know what the pushback will be. If Jesus bore our sickness, why am I sick? Why are millions sick? And the answer is, as unsatisfying as it might be to many, this is not the end game. It isn't even close. We who live in this world for a few years are only at the start of life, a life that is eternal, a life that renews after physical death. And how does that happen? Well, again, through Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection. His resurrection is the first of all the others that follow him. He has crashed through the barrier of sickness and death with his own flesh and blood body, rising again for you, that you may, by believing in him, have life in his name. Those of you who are baptized in the name of the triune God into Christ have already been connected with his death. You are already joined to his resurrection, but we do not see it, not yet. Faith trusts this Jesus, his word for you and me, for this sick world. There is struggle in the reality of this not yet time. We want to see the victory over sickness now like Peter did 
with his mother-in-law, like others did who saw the demons canceled and those who had loved ones who walked again, saw again, sang again, heard again. God knows this desire on our part. And to you, he says, you have my word. My word does not break. I do not lie. I give the truth, the way, the life, because I give you Jesus, my son, your brother. I will never forget you. My son will never forget you, for you are his. You are ours. For those who do not know this Jesus, it is time to meet him. Here today is his word of promise. It is for you. And how do I know? Why can I be sure the word's for you? Well, because his promise of life is for this world, for all people, and that most definitely means you. He wants you to know that it is for you, as it is for me and for all his children gathered here this morning. In this Jesus, it's sure hope, not wishful thinking. In this Jesus is mercy, not try harder. In this Jesus is forgiveness, not never-ending shame. God grant the ongoing creation and sustaining of faith in Jesus Christ, the Savior, our hope in despair, our joy in sorrow, our healer in sickness, and our life in death. He is for you even now. Never forget that. Amen. And glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may rise. We'll continue with our Lord's Prayer, and then the last verses of the hymn, or the last two stanzas, three and four. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever.
grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.